Chapter One of Windsor Castle, Book Four. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. Windsor Castle, Book Four by William Harrison Ainsworth. Chapter One of the interview between henry and catherine of aragon in the urswick chapel and how it was interrupted it was now the joyous month of june and where is june so joyous as within the courts and halls of peerless windsor where does the summer sun shine so brightly as upon its stately gardens and broad terraces its matchless parks its silver belting river and its circumference of proud and regal towers nowhere in the world at all seasons windsor is magnificent whether in winter she looks upon her garnitures of woods stripped of their foliage her river covered with ice or the wide expanse of country around her sheeted with snow or in autumn gazes on the same scene a world of gold-tinted leaves brown meadows or glowing cornfields but summer is her season of beauty june is the month when her woods are fullest and greenest when her groves are shadiest her avenues most delicious when her river sparkles like a diamond zone when town and village mansion and cot church and tower hill and vale the distant capital itself all within view are seen to the highest advantage at such a season it is impossible to behold from afar the heights of windsor crowned like the phrygian goddess by a castled diadem and backed by lordly woods and withhold a burst of enthusiasm and delight and it is equally impossible at such a season to stand on the grand northern terrace and gaze first at the proud pile enshrining the sovereign mistress of the land and then gaze on the unequalled prospect spread out before it embracing in its wide range every kind of beauty that the country can boast and not be struck with the thought that the perfect and majestic castle in state as wholesome as in state tis fit worthy the owner and the owner it together with the wide and smiling and populous district around it form an apt representation of the british sovereign and her dominions there stands the castle dating back as far as the conquest and boasting since its foundation a succession of royal inmates while at its foot lies a region of unequalled fertility and beauty full of happy homes and loving loyal hearts a miniature of the old country and its inhabitants what though the smiling landscape may be darkened by a passing cloud what though a momentary gloom may gather round the august brow of the proud pile the cloud will speedily vanish the gloom disperse and the bright and sunny scene look yet brighter and sunnier from the contrast it was the chance of the writer of these lines upon one occasion to behold his sovereign under circumstances which he esteems singularly fortunate she was taking rapid exercise with the prince upon the south side of the garden terrace all at once the royal pair paused at the summit of the ascent leading from george the fourth's gateway the prince disappeared along the eastern terrace leaving the queen alone and there she stood her slight faultless figure sharply defined against the clear sky nothing was wanting to complete the picture the great bay windows of the victoria tower on the one hand the balustrade of the terrace on the other the home park beyond it was thrilling to feel that small solitary figure comprehended all the might and majesty of england and a thousand kindling aspirations were awakened by the thought 
but it was as has been said the merry month of june and windsor castle looked down in all its magnificence upon the pomp of the woods and upon the twelve fair and smiling counties lying within its ken a joyous stir was within its courts the gleam of arms and the fluttering of banners was seen upon its battlements and towers and the ringing of bells the beating of drums and the fanfare of trumpets mingled with the shouting of crowds and the discharge of ordnance amidst this tumult a grave procession issued from the deanery and took its way across the lower quadrangle which was thronged with officers and men-at-arms in the direction of the lower gate just as it arrived there a distant gun was heard and an answering peal was instantly fired from the culverins of the curfew tower while a broad standard emblazoned with the arms of france and england within the garter and having for supporters the english lion crowned and the red dragon sinister was reared upon the keep all these preparations betokened the approach of the king who was returning to the castle after six weeks absence though information of the king's visit to the castle had only preceded him by a few hours everything was ready for his reception and the greatest exertions were used to give splendor to it in spite of his stubborn and tyrannical nature henry was a popular monarch and never showed himself before his subjects but he gained their applauses his love of pomp his handsome person and manly deportment always winning him homage from the multitude but at no period was he in a more critical position than the present the meditated divorce from catherine of aragon was a step which found no sympathy from the better portion of his subjects while the ill-assorted union of anne boleyn an avowed lutheran which it was known would follow it was equally objectionable the seeds of discontent had been widely sown in the capital and tumults had occurred which though promptly checked had nevertheless alarmed the king coupled as they were with the disapprobation of his ministers the sneering remonstrances of france the menaces of the papal see and the open hostilities of spain but the characteristic obstinacy of his nature kept him firm to his point and he resolved to carry it be the consequences what they might all his efforts to win over campeggio proved fruitless the legate was deaf to his menaces or promises well knowing that to aid anne boleyn would be to seriously affect the interests of the church of rome the affair however so long and so artfully delayed was now drawing to a close a court was appointed by the legates to be holden on the eighteenth of june at blackfriars to try the question gardiner had been recalled from rome to act as counsel for harry and the monarch determining to appear by proxy at the trial left his palace at bridewell the day before it was to come on and set out with anne boleyn and his chief attendants for windsor castle whatever secret feelings might be entertained against him henry was received by the inhabitants of windsor with every demonstration of loyalty and affection deafening shouts rent the air as he approached blessings and good wishes were showered upon him and hundreds of caps were flung into the air but noticing that anne boleyn was received with evil looks and in stern silence and construing this into an affront to himself henry not only made slight and haughty acknowledgment of the welcome given him but looked out for some pretext to manifest his displeasure luckily none was afforded him and he entered the castle in a sullen mood the day was spent in gentle exercise within the home park and on the terrace and the king affected the utmost gaiety and indifference but those acquainted with him could readily perceive he was ill at ease in the evening he remained for some time alone in his closet penning despatches and then summoning an attendant ordered him to bring captain boucher into his presence 
well bouchier he said as the officer made his appearance have you obeyed my instruction in regard to mabel lindwood i have my liege replied bouchier in obedience to your majesty's commands immediately after your arrival at the castle i rode to the forester's hut and ascertained that the damsel was still there and looking as beautiful as ever i'll be sworn said the king it was the first time i had seen her my liege replied bouchier but i do not think she could have ever looked more beautiful i am well assured of it replied henry the pressure of affairs during my absence from the castle had banished her image from my mind but now it returns as forcibly as before and you have so arranged it that she will be brought hither to-morrow night bouchier replied in the affirmative it is well pursued henry but what more for you look as if you had something further to declare your majesty will not have forgotten how you exterminated the band of herne the hunter said bouchier mother of heaven no cried the king starting up i have not forgotten it what of them ha have they come to life again do they scour the parks once more that were indeed a marvel what i have to relate is almost as great a marvel returned bouchier i have not heard of the resurrection of the band though for aught i know it may have occurred but herne has been seen again in the forest several of the keepers have been scared by him travellers have been affrighted and plundered and no one will now cross the great park after nightfall amazement cried henry again seating himself once let the divorce be settled and i will effectually check the career of this lawless and mysterious being pray heaven your majesty may be able to do so replied bouchier but i have always been of the opinion that the only way to get rid of the demon would be by the aid of the church he is unassailable by mortal weapons it would almost seem so said the king and yet i do not like to yield to the notion i shrewdly suspect that old tristram linwood the grandsire of the damsel upon whom your majesty has deigned to cast your regards is in some way or other leagued with herne said bouchier at all events i saw him with a tall hideous-looking personage whose name i understand to be valentine hagthorne and who i feel persuaded must be one of the remnants of the demon hunter's band why did you not arrest him inquired henry i did not like to do so without your majesty's authority replied bouchier besides i could scarcely arrest hagthorne without at the same time securing the old forester which might have alarmed the damsel but i am ready to execute your injunctions now let a party of men go in search of hagthorne to-night replied henry and while mabel is brought to the castle to-morrow do you arrest old tristram and keep him in custody till i have leisure to examine him it shall be done as you desire my liege replied bouchier bowing and departing shortly after this henry accompanied by anne boleyn proceeded with his attendants to st george's chapel and heard vespers performed just as he was about to return an usher advanced toward him and making a profound reverence said that a masked dame whose habiliments proclaimed her of the highest rank craved a moment's audience of him where is she demanded henry in the north aisle and please your majesty replied the usher near the urswick chapel i told her that this was not the place for an audience of your majesty nor the time but she would not be said nay and therefore at the risk of incurring your sovereign displeasure i have ventured to proffer her request the usher omitted to state that his chief inducement to incur the risk was a valuable ring given him by the lady well i will go to her said the king i pray you excuse me for a short space fair mistress he added to anne boleyn and quitting the choir he entered the northern aisle and casting his eyes down the line of noble columns by which it is flanked and seeing no one he concluded that the lady must have retired into the urswick chapel 
and so it proved for on reaching this exquisite little shrine he perceived a tall masked dame within it clad in robes of the richest black velvet as he entered the chapel the lady advanced toward him and throwing herself on her knees removed her mask disclosing features stamped with sorrow and suffering but still retaining an expression of the greatest dignity they were those of catherine of aragon uttering an angry exclamation henry turned on his heel and would have left her but she clung to the skirts of his robe hear me a moment henry my king my husband one single moment hear me cried catherine in tones of such passionate anguish that he could not resist the appeal be brief then kate he rejoined her taking her hand to raise her blessings on you for the word cried the queen covering his hand with kisses i am indeed your own true kate your faithful loving lawful wife rise madam cried henry coldly this posture beseems not catherine of aragon i obey you now as i have ever done she replied rising though if i followed the prompting of my heart i should not quit my knees until i had gained my suit you have done wrong in coming here catherine at this juncture said henry and may compel me to some harsh measure which i would willingly have avoided no one knows i am here replied the queen except two faithful attendants who are vowed to secrecy and i shall depart as i came i am glad you have taken these precautions replied henry now speak freely but again i must bid you be brief i will be as brief as i can replied the queen but i pray you bear with me henry if i unhappily weary you i am full of misery and affliction and never was daughter and wife of king wretched as i am pity me henry pity me but that i restrain myself i should pour forth my soul in tears before you oh henry after twenty years duty and to be brought to this unspeakable shame to be cast from you with dishonour to be supplanted by another it is terrible if you have only come here to utter reproaches madam i must put an end to the interview said henry frowning i do not reproach you henry replied catherine meekly i only wish to show you the depth and extent of my affection i only implore you to do me right and justice not to bring shame upon me to cover your own wrongful action have compassion upon the princess our daughter spare her if you will not spare me you sue in vain catherine replied henry i lament your condition but my eyes are fully open to the sinful state in which i have so long lived and i am resolved to abandon it an unworthy prevarication replied catherine by which you seek to work my ruin and accomplish your union with anne boleyn and you will no doubt succeed for what can i a feeble woman and a stranger in your country do to prevent it you will succeed i say you will divorce me and place her upon the throne but mark my words henry she will not long remain there the king smiled bitterly she will bring dishonour upon you pursued catherine the woman who has no regard for ties so sacred as those which bind us will not respect other obligations no more of this cried henry you suffer your resentment to carry you too far too far exclaimed catherine too far is to warn you that you are about to take a wanton to your bed and that you will bitterly repent your folly when too late going too far it is my duty henry no less than my desire to thus warn you ere the irrevocable step be taken have you said all you wish to say madam demanded the king no my dear liege not a hundredth part of what my heart prompts me to utter replied catherine i conjure you by my strong and tried affection by the tenderness that has for years subsisted between us by your hopes of temporal prosperity and spiritual welfare by all you hold dear and sacred to pause while there is yet time let the legates meet to-morrow let them pronounce sentence against me and as surely as those fatal words are uttered my heart will break tut tut 
exclaimed henry impatiently you will live many years in happy retirement i will die as i have lived a queen replied catherine but my life will not be long now answer me truly if anne boleyn plays you false she will never play me false interrupted henry i say if she does pursued catherine and you are satisfied of her guilt will you be content with divorcing her as you divorce me no by my father's head cried henry fiercely if such a thing were to happen which i hold impossible she should expiate her offence on the scaffold give me your hand on that said catherine i give you my hand upon it he replied enough said the queen if i cannot have right and justice i shall at least have vengeance though it will come when i am in my tomb but it will come and that is sufficient this is the frenzy of jealousy catherine said henry no henry it is not jealousy replied the queen with dignity the daughter of ferdinand of spain and isabella of castile with the best blood of europe in her veins would despise herself if she could entertain so paltry a feeling toward one born so much beneath her as anne boleyn as you will madam rejoined henry it is time our interview terminated not yet henry for the love of heaven not yet implored catherine oh bethink you by whom we are joined together by your father henry the seventh one of the wisest princes that ever sat on a throne and by the sanction of my own father ferdinand v one of the justest would they have sanctioned the match if it had been unlawful were they destitute of good counsellors were they indifferent to the future you had better reserve those arguments for the legate's ears to-morrow madam said henry sternly i shall urge them there with all the force i can replied catherine for i will leave not untried to hinder an event so fraught with misery but i feel the struggle will be hopeless then why make it rejoined henry because it is due to you to myself to the princess our daughter to our illustrious progenitors and to our people to make it replied catherine i should be unworthy to be your consort if i acted otherwise and i will never in thought word or deed do aught derogatory to that title you may divorce me but i will never assent to it you may wed anne boleyn but she will never be your lawful spouse and you may cast me from your palace but i will never go willingly i know you to be contumacious madam replied henry and now i pray you resume your mask and withdraw what i have said will convince you that your stay is useless i perceive it replied catherine farewell henry farewell loved husband of my heart farewell for ever your mask your mask madam cried henry impatiently god's death footsteps are approaching let no one enter here he cried aloud i will come in said anne boleyn stepping into the chapel just as catherine had replaced her mask ah your majesty looks confused i fear i have interrupted some amorous conference come with me anne said henry taking her arm and trying to draw her away come with me not till i learn who your lady love is replied anne pettishly you affect to be jealous of me my liege but i have much more reason to be jealous of you when you were last at windsor i heard you paid a secret visit to a fair maiden near the lake in the park and now you are holding an interview with a masked dame here nay i care not for your gestures of silence i will speak you are distraught sweetheart cried the king come away no replied anne let this dame be dismissed i shall not go at your bidding minion cried catherine fiercely ah cried anne starting whom have we here one you had better have avoided whispered henry the queen exclaimed anne with a look of dismay i the queen echoed catherine unmasking henry if you have any respect left for me i pray you order this woman for my presence let me depart in peace lady anne i pray you retire 
said henry but anne stood her ground resolutely nay let her stay then said the queen and i promise you she shall repent her rashness and do you stay too henry and regard well her whom you are about to make your spouse question your sister mary some while consort to louis the twelfth and now duchess of suffolk question her as to the character and conduct of anne boleyn when she was her attendant at the court of france ask whether she had never to reprove her for levity question the lord percy as to her love for him question sir thomas wyatt and a host of others all these charges are false and calumnious cried anne boleyn let the king inquire and judge for himself rejoined catherine and if he weds you let him look well to you or you will make him a scoff to all honourable men and now as you have come between him and me as you have divided husband and wife for the intent whether successful or not i denounce you before heaven and invoke its wrath upon your head night and day i will pray that you may be brought to shame and when i shall be called hence as i may be soon i will appear before the throne of the most high and summon you to judgment take me from her henry cried anne faintly her violence affrights me no you shall stay said catherine grasping her arm and detaining her you shall hear your doom you imagine your career will be a brilliant one and that you will be able to wield the sceptre you wrongfully wrest from me but it will moulder into dust in your hand the crown unjustly placed upon your brow will fall to the ground and will bring the head with it take me away henry i implore you cried anne you shall hear me out pursued catherine exerting all her strength and maintaining her grasp or i will follow you down yon aisles and pour forth my malediction against you in the hearing of all your attendants you have braved me and shall feel my power look at her henry see how she shrinks before the gaze of an injured woman look me in the face minion you cannot you dare not oh henry sobbed anne you have brought it upon yourself said the king she has replied catherine and unless she pauses and repents she will bring yet more upon her head you suffer now minion but how will you feel when in your turn you are despised neglected supplanted by a rival when the false glitter of your charms having passed away henry will see only your faults and will open his eyes to all i now tell him a sob was all the answer anne could return you will feel as i feel toward you pursued the queen hatred towards her but you will not have the consolations i enjoy you will have merited your fate and you will then think upon me and my woes and will bitterly but unavailingly repent your conduct and now henry she exclaimed turning solemnly to him you have pledged your royal word to me and given me your hand upon it that if you find this woman false to you she shall expiate her offence on the block i call upon you to ratify the pledge in her presence i do so catherine replied the king the mere suspicion of her guilt shall be enough henry exclaimed anne i have said it replied the king tremble then anne boleyn cried catherine tremble and when you are adjudged to die the death of an adulteress bethink you of the prediction of the queen you have injured i may not live to witness your fate but we shall meet before the throne of an eternal judge oh henry this is too much gasped anne and she sank fainting into his arms be gone cried the king furiously you have killed her it were well for us both if i had done so replied catherine but she will recover to work my misery and her own to your hands i commit her punishment may god bless you henry with this she replaced her mask and quitted the chapel henry meanwhile anxious to avoid the comments of his attendants exerted himself to restore anne boleyn to sensibility and his efforts were speedily successful is it then reality gasped anne as she gazed around 
i hoped it was a hideous dream oh henry this has been frightful but you will not kill me as she predicted swear to me you will not why should you be alarmed rejoined the king if you are faithful you have nothing to fear but you said suspicion henry you said suspicion cried anne you must put the greater guard upon your conduct rejoined the king moodily i begin to think there is some truth in catherine's insinuations oh no i swear to you there is not said anne i have trifled with the gallants of francis's court and have listened perhaps too complacently to the love vows of percy and wyatt but when your majesty deigned to cast eyes upon me all others vanished as the stars of night before the rising of the god of day henry i love you deeply devotedly but catherine's terrible imprecations make me feel more keenly than i have ever done before the extent of the wrong i am about to inflict upon her and i fear that retributive punishment will follow it you will do her no wrong replied henry i am satisfied of the justice of the divorce and of its necessity and if my purposed union with you were out of the question i should demand it be the fault on my head your words restore in me some measure my liege said anne i love you too well not to risk body and soul for you i am yours for ever ah she exclaimed with a fearful look what ails you sweetheart exclaimed the king i thought i saw a face at the window she replied a black and hideous face like that of a fiend it was mere fancy replied the king your mind is disturbed by what has occurred you had better join your attendants and retire to your own apartments oh henry cried anne do not judge me unheard do not believe what any false tongue may utter against me i love only you and can love only you i would not wrong you even in thought for worlds i believe you sweetheart replied the king tenderly so saying he led her down the aisle to her attendants they then proceeded together to the royal lodgings where anne retired to her own apartments and henry withdrew to his private chamber End of chapter one